Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We are so blessed and so honored that you could join us here today. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Our mission here is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. And at Church Alive said, amen, amen. Hey, last week I was um, talking to my son and... Um, I was actually listening to a preaching message by a guy that I listened to probably occasionally. He had had heart surgery. And so he was doing a series in his church on the heart for like four weeks. And he was explaining his heart surgery. And they had like hearts like all over the place. And I'm not talking love hearts. I'm talking like actual the organ. Like it was weird. It was ugly and so forth. And uh, anyway, I was listening to him speak. And then my son was like, so daddy, like... He, he, they had to cut him open. And how many know that's kind of weird to tell your son that like a doctor literally slit your chest open, opened up your sternum, looked inside and did surgery on your heart. Like that's strange to tell a nine-year-old, isn't it? Right? Some of you are not sure. You're like, I have that conversation every day. All right, you, you do you, okay? Um, but that was a weird conversation. Then he was like, but daddy, like, how do they put them back together? And I was like, I don't really know. So I just made up stuff. I was like, well, I guess they just close it, a little super glue there and so forth. And, um, but isn't it incredible what technology can do? Isn't it incredible that you can literally open up someone's chest and help them, not hurt them? And then I began to explain to my son that sometimes you don't need that drastic a surgery. You actually just need what is a far more less invasive surgery where they literally put a, a tube into your arm, for instance, and go into your heart and check it out. And they clean out the cholesterol of your heart. And so there's major surgery, and then there's minor surgery, and then there's like heart maintenance. Someone say maintenance. Some say major. major. Some say minor. minor. Some say maintenance. I believe that all three of those aspects are pictures of what God needs to and wants to do in your life on a regular basis, spiritually speaking. Do you realize that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart? Do you know that the heart of the problem in humanity across the world is actually the problem of the heart? That when Adam and Eve sinned, that actually that sin became like an infection in the bloodline of Adam and that infection passed to you and to me so that no one had to teach you to be selfish. How many are still wrestling your own selfishness? Let's be honest. Come on. Just kind of go, yeah, I am. Bunch of others, you, you're lying. You, 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 you're selfish and a liar. Like, it's just bad, okay? Um, and, 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 and no one had to teach my son to lie or to be mean to his sister. No one had to teach that. No one had to teach people. No one had to teach you to go, mine. No one had to teach you as a teenager to, like, say mean words to people. So no one had to teach you. No one had to teach you, hear me now, when authority said something to you, and you went, that, that's for someone else. How many of you like, don't like listening to authority? A, a lot of liars in here too. Gosh, got authority issues, got heart issues, got lying issues. It's going to be a big, big altar call, I tell you, at the end. And, and so there's major surgery. The Bible actually says that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation says the old has gone and the new has come. And it's talking about a, a new heart. 
The book of Ezekiel is the, is the eagle-eyed prophet, and Ezekiel prophesies that he said, that I will give unto them a new heart, and I'll give unto them a new spirit, and they will follow after me. But can I suggest to you today that you can have a new heart, and you can have a new spirit, but if you don't guard that heart, your heart in five years, or your heart in 10 years, or your heart in 15 years from now, or maybe just three months from now, will be in a completely different place. Because if, if Adam had a perfect heart and then he got lured into temptation, how many know in a very imperfect environment, if you and I have a clean heart, we can very quickly have a dirty heart? How many of you met someone and years ago or six months ago, they seemed to be doing so well with the Lord and it was like, what happened in just six months? They failed to guard their heart. What happens in a marriage and, and, and two people say, I love you, and I do, and forever, forever, and better and worse, and, and nine years later, you ugly. What happened? <laughs> the heart. And so I felt like I needed to continue on this vein of speaking on the heart because it is such a critical issue. Solomon said this, above all else, everyone say above all else. Above all else. What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to? You're going to have to what? See, God can only cleanse your heart. You cannot cleanse it. But you have to guard your heart. Jesus says the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings out good things. The evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings out evil things. You're going to have to guard your heart. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care if you're pastor of a church. I don't care if you sing and dance like, and, and twirl around in your room by yourself to Jesus. You have to guard your heart. I don't care if you tithe and give offerings, you have to guard your heart. I don't care if you pray 24-7, you have to guard your heart. I don't care what position you have, I don't, I don't care. You have to guard your heart. I can tell you there was a time in my life at 18 years old, God touched my life. The, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit became so tangible, I literally someone prayed for me. And I just, you know when you just know God's there? I literally was like, holy cow, He's here. Like the presence of God literally just touched my life in such an amazing way. I walked out of that service and I knew I was different. Yeah. I literally went to myself, I guess I don't, don't get drunk anymore. Yeah. Like, I, like my heart had changed. I was like, oh man, God has something for me. Yeah. I just knew it. I knew it. But I just want to say to you today, that happened many years ago. But if I didn't guard my heart, my heart would be as dirty as sewer water. Are you with me, church? Though it was a bad illustration, you got the point, didn't you? And what's amazing about this, the text of Scripture that we're about to go in is that the man we're talking about had what the Bible would define as one of the most, the greatest compliment that you could give someone in the Bible. God said it about him. But the text we're about to go in is this heart, it's cold, it's tough, it's like a bad steak, cold and tough. I mean, our good steaks like hot, sizzling and tender, yeah. right? And God actually wants your heart 
like a great steak. Sizzling. Someone say sizzling. Someone say tender. See, once it hots and tender, how many know that a marriage is pretty good if your heart's sizzling and tender towards one another? Right? Sizzle. I'm getting hungry as I speak. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 says this. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, There was two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and, and cattle, but the poor man had nothing. Someone say nothing. Except one little ewe lamb, and bah, and he bought, and he raised, he grew up with him, his children, shared his food, and drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. Sounds like how you and I might treat a dog. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he prepared it for the one who had come to him. In other words, he stole it. And David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, Surely, as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. Someone say, he must die. And he must pay for that land four times over because he had no such thing and he had no pity. And then, and then Samuel says, you are that man. He's like, what in the world are you talking about? He says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Watch God's blessing towards him. He says, I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms and I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And watch this now. And he said, and if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the law by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite, the sword, took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. And now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you, watch this now, you despised me. Isn't it interesting that when God, we sin against God, he literally sees it as you despised me. He says this, and he took the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your own. Next verse. This is what the Lord says, out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I'll take your wives and give them to one who's close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. How many of you know that's bad news right there? That's some weird stuff. He says, you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replies, the Lord has taken away your sin, and you are not going to die. How many thank God for His mercy? How many thank God for His grace? How many thank God that God is a forgiving God? The Bible actually says in Psalm 51 verse 1, it says, For your Lord, for you, O Lord, are an un- your love is unfailing. The unfailing love of God. But can I suggest to you today that one of the the tendencies within Christian circles that I've been a part of for a long time now is we sometimes, if we are not careful, we apply grace and mercy to our lives very, very quickly. And the challenge is, is that we often don't think there are actual repercussions on this side of eternity. And I'm talking about this world. Like, God will let you, this is weird, but God will let you ruin your life. David has an incredible burning heart for God, but there was a season in his life that all of a sudden his heart drifts 
away from God. How did it happen? It was a moment of temptation. It was a moment that any man would look, look see, sees a beautiful woman. He's like, damn, that girl's got it going on. And he doesn't turn his eyes. He doesn't think of his own wife. He then lures this woman up to the bedroom. They have an affair. There's a baby then born outside of wedlock. He says, you know what? I'm going to hide this thing. How many think it's a good idea when you hide things? Right? It's not. And he says, I'm going to hide it. And so he asked the man's wife, come on. I mean, husband, come on back and lay with your wife. He's a person of honor. He didn't want to do it. And in the end, he literally commits adultery and then he murders a man. And for about, theologians tell us, the next one year, David's heart is cold towards God. One of the greatest hearts in all of Scripture, perhaps the greatest other than Jesus, David's heart loved God. But hear me now, you can love God, but if you don't guard your heart, that same heart that was on fire, that same heart that was passionate, that same heart that was, that was full of grace, that same heart that says, God, you're the best, that same heart can actually become tough and cold. In the same way, a person who is in love with a woman and marries her, or vice versa, the same heart can actually become cold and hard. And you say, we just are incompatible. And I say, no, your heart became hard. You failed to forgive and you failed to talk through things and you failed to maybe seek counsel. And you let it get so bad that you look at each other and just go, you are an unattractive person. I don't want to see you for the rest of my life. How does that happen? I want to teach you something here real quick. Samuel is a prophet. Someone say he's a prophet. He speaks on God's behalf. He is God's voice into David's life. And I just want to take a moment in our church to, to teach something that I think is actually very, very important that you understand when it comes to prophecy. Our church is a church that believes the power of God is still for today. So there are churches, and God bless them, there are churches that when the scripture closed at 300 AD, they literally said the miracles of God end now. Basically, God only speaks through his word. Um, it's, I don't think it's true. I think it's, it's taking scripture, putting it up here, but not actually listening to the God of the scriptures and so forth. And so we believe that there are, God speaks today through dreams and visions. We believe that there are prophets. We believe that there are apostles. We believe there are evangelists. There's the fivefold ministry gifts. Hear me now. But sometimes when people believe that, they then kind of take on like a, a, a Samuel spirit and kind of think they need to run around and rebuke everyone. Okay, let me just stop you right there for a second. Samuel is a trusted voice. He, his, his word, he would say something, and the Bible actually says about him that God would let none of his words fall to the ground. God would so watch over Samuel that he would literally watch his words and go, you know what, I better perform that because Samuel said it. Hear me now. If someone is a prophet, listen, we believe in the gift of prophecy. I would actually say my wife is one of the most unique, accurate, has a prophetic gift like I've almost seen nowhere, almost anywhere. She just knows stuff. She'll come up to you and go, you had three blueberries and one strawberry yesterday and you put cream on top. You're like, how'd you know that? <laughs> She's known some stuff that's bizarre. 
She literally had, had a dream. I just want to share, like, like this is the power of God. And, and, and she would know that a girl is trying to lure another boy in our church, and she would know his first, she would know her first name and last name and where they met. She literally said, her name's this and this, and you met her at Starbucks. And the guy was like, holy cow. <laughs> the Lord was trying to save her, right? But if you're a prophet, let me just say this, and if you even perhaps have the gift of prophecy, you are planted in a house. You are trusted in a house. You don't run into one church and run into the next church and run around rebuking people. It's crazy. Sometimes people are hyper-spiritual, and so they come into a church, and, and, and God told me to go to the next church, and God told me to go to the next church. No, He told you to sit in one church and receive the Word of God and, and, and build people. Does that make sense? Now, so for some of you are like, I'm not sure what this means. But for some of you, you need to hear that. You need to hear that, listen, Magno did an incredible job of this recently. We're leading worship in our church. And, and I felt like, I remember just going, man, he's trying to lead it quiet. And there's three or four other people in the church who were just trying to get it so loud. And you're like, wait, who's the leader? Listen, humble, spiritual people. Listen, they are submitted to leadership. Humble, submitted people are submitted to leadership. They are tested and they are tried. Does that make sense? Yeah. Samuel was tested and he was tried and he rebukes the king. How many know if you, you rebuke a king, you better know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> this, isn't like, this isn't like democracy. This is death D. This is get a sword caught off your head. Like you don't, you don't talk to the king and say stuff that he doesn't like. This isn't free speech. This isn't Twitter and just insult Trump, you know? No, this is like you say something bad and they just cut your head off. Like, oh, that was bad. Where'd he go? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> and here's, I want you to see this now. When David is given the scenario of spirituality, he judges it, but he judges it harshly. What's interesting is he judges it harshly because his heart is in a harsh place. You and I are actually the most harsh when our heart is in a harsh place. When our heart is cold and it's tough. And he says, that man deserves to die. And Samuel says, you're that man. How many go, oops? <laughs> the most judgmental people you'll ever meet, it's not because they're spiritual. It's actually because often their heart is in a cold place. It's in a hard place and they are dealing with guilt and they love to heap guilt on someone else. Because when you're dealing with guilt, you love to make everyone else feel guilty. But God needed to cleanse his heart. Listen to me. You know that, that, that the Spirit of God will speak to you about something and he will point out something in your life and it's not to expose you. It's always to heal you. Let me, let me give you this illustration. I might have told this story a, a, a number of months ago in our church. When my wife and I were uh, still dating, I, I went to a, a, a jewelry store and um, I was trying to choose a ring for her. And I was in Australia at the time and I'm shopping around. And how many guys, guys, we don't know nothing about rings, right? Until you all of a sudden go to enough and they, they, they teach you on cut and clarity and color. And they're like, and carrot. Oh, that's right. The four C's, right? You girls knew. <laughs> and uh, so if you've never been engaged, trust me, man, if you're going to get engaged one day, you will learn cut, clarity, color, and 
carrot, right? They're going to teach you. You're like, wow, I actually know something now. And so you've got to go to a number of stores and check them all out. And, uh, and they rate them according to the beauty of the diamond. Like how many little, what they would call inclusions, are in the diamond. And a good diamond, obviously it's large, right, ladies? And, then, and, and a good diamond, when you look at it, you can't see it. You can't see mistakes in it. Now if you put one of those eyepieces on, now you can maybe see the, the fault. And so I get this diamond, and it was kind of the, the type that, that my wife wanted at the time, and um, she's like, get this one, and this one, and get this, and I'm like, okay, and um, <laughs> like, I, you know, I was going to go to like, you know, one of those 25 cent little rings you get, like, you know, I was, <laughs> was going to go to Walmart, you know, <laughs> as you walk out, you just, <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> I wouldn't be married to such a pretty girl if I thought that way. Anyway, this jeweler says to me, oh, this is this clarity. I was like, oh, okay. And then I look at it, and I'm like, but I could see the inclusion in the diamond. So I was like, but, but wait, you said it's this clarity, but I can see the inclusion in it. And this, this, this literal liar <laughs> looks at me, straight face, says, I don't see it. I looked at it, you don't see it. She says, I don't see it. I literally just gave him the diamond, walked out of the store. Why? You're a liar. Because I could see it. And here's the thing. When you and I, watch this now, when we don't admit that the inclusions sometimes are in our heart, God can't clean them. He can't. Listen. There are conversations sometimes people need to have with you. There are scriptures that you need to absorb and hear the word of God and you need to hear it and the reason you need to hear it is because God wants to heal it. God does not point out your problems to point out your problems. God points them out so that he might reveal it and then he wants to remove it and then he wants to restore it. Hear me again. He wants to reveal imperfections in my life. He wants to reveal heart conditions. He is a good doctor, right? And a good doctor will tell you your cholesterol's high. You're about to have a heart attack, boy. And he will reveal it. Why? Because he wants to remove it. And he wants to restore it. I would say this, a, 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 a gospel or a message of Christ that never changes you isn't the gospel. Like the gospel that, that leaves me the way I am, it isn't the message of Christ. Like, it sounds good. Like, if someone just says to you, you're amazing, you're like, oh, I know. And trust me when I tell you, sometimes you need to hear you're gifted, you're talented, you're amazing, but sometimes you need to hear, guess what, your heart, something's wrong. How many receive this? Listen. Listen, I hope today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit somehow, He doesn't shame you, but He does literally light heaven's light into your heart, and sometimes He will just show you, you've gone cold for me. Because some of you may be here today, and you may have never asked God to clean your heart. I would say this, you are not born with a clean heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Who can know it? 
But then God's gift and God's grace to you and me is, listen, I will reveal that you need a Savior. I will reveal that you need forgiveness. I will reveal that you need my goodness. Listen to what the Bible, listen to what the, the I want you to take down this quote because it's so important. There's a little gap in your notes and it says this, we don't see life the way it is. We see life the way we are. You don't see life as you are. Sorry, you don't see life the way it is. You see life the way you are. If you're cold, if you're cold towards God, you'll see life that way. If you're cold towards your partner, you'll see life that way. If you're cold towards friends, you know, I meet some people sometimes they're like, Anthony, I love God. I just hate his church. Somehow your heart is kind of warm towards God, but I guarantee it won't stay that way. But if you hate his people, you need a heart check. You need a forgiveness check. You need a, a pride check sometimes. I was talking to someone the other day, and I, and I was just trying to help the person, and I said, listen, at the end of church, we open it up and, and get prayer. And, and I said, do you come forward to get prayer? And the person was like, no. And I was like, why not? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what's wrong? And she's like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm being prideful. And I'm like, yes, you are. Because if you feel like at one time you were passionate about God and now you get distant from God, don't you think something needs to change? Yeah. Are you with me, Church Alive? Yeah. Listen, cold, distant hearts always produce judgmental attitudes. But I'll say this, cold hearts often produce great compromise. There is a tension here. There is a tension between coldness and judgmentalness, but then there's a tension that anything goes. Can I ask you a question? Who determines right or wrong? Who determines right or wrong? Who determines it? Right? Do you or me? What is God? We live in a culture right now that anything goes except the truth. Anything's right except truth i was i was hearing someone talk and i'm just like what are we smoking <laughs> like are we doing major drugs all the time because we're calling good evil and evil good listen to what matthew chapter 7 says i can't believe i only have five minutes left i have like an hour of preaching to go are you ready how many want to stay for three more hours? Say yes. yes. All right, you're lying, okay? Stop it. <laughs> Some man just looked, oh, thank God, he's joking. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7. How many of you have ever judged someone? Just put up your hand just quickly. I have read this scripture so many times. And as a youngster, I don't believe I ever understood it because I just believed that you could never judge someone. But the reality is you do judge someone. Because if you believe in right and wrong, you kind of have to make judgments. So let me point you to, here's how I believe that Jesus tells you and me, and I'm going to take away the word judgment, and I'm going to say the word discernment. How you discern what is right and wrong, and how do you do it? How do you help someone? Here's what he says. He says, don't judge, or you too will be judged. From the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Someone say, be careful. Be careful. 
anytime you're going into judgmental attitudes, a, a red flag should c- come up and you just go, wait a minute, I'm being judgmental, now be careful. Okay, then it says this, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. If you talk bad about people, guess what? They're going to talk bad about you. Here's what it says. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank? Literally, some translations say a cedar in, in the eye. Just like, so I got a tree, just, and wherever I look, I just beat people with my tree. I, I just whack them wherever I go, and I'm judging them, and they've got sleep in their eye, but I've got this huge, ugly thing coming out. It's kind of a, it's an illustration, an exaggeration. Jesus is kind of joking, and he's kind of giving us an exaggerated Hebrew humor. It's kind of cool. How many thought Jesus was funny? Verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Here's what it says. You hypocrite. Now, here's the teaching moment for every single one of us. He says this. You hypocrite. Verse 5. First, take the plank out of your own eye. In other words, deal with you. Someone say, deal with you. Someone say, that's me. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your, other's eye, uh, from your brother's eye. Here's what right judgment looks like. First, looks in the mirror and deals with their own conditions. But then secondly, it does this. Right judgment has at its heart the person's restoration. Right judgment is not just talking bad about people. Right judgment actually speaks to someone about an issue that they can do something about. Right? So if I am a spiritual person, I'm not just judging everyone. I speak life into people. But occasionally, when I have the relational equity with the person, and I see something that seems so out of character, or so such a limitation to their life, then I can have a loving conversation with someone and says, listen, I believe in you. Right? I think there's gifts and talents in you. But this behavior or this attitude is going to limit your life. Does that make sense? Does that sound healthy? Do you wish some people would do that more? Yes. Proverbs 10 verse 11 says this, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Here's what happens. Samuel comes along and exposes David, who is one of the greatest hearts in all of Scripture, towards God. And he exposes that his heart has gone cold, and tough. How many of you want a cold, tough heart? Anyone? How many of you would like a soft, tender heart towards God and people? It doesn't magically happen. It actually is a time where you say, God, would you change me? And then you keep guarding your heart. You, you exercise to keep your heart healthy. You do the habits of the Christian to maintain heart maintenance. Does that make sense? You know, in, in, in premarital counseling, um, sometimes you meet with someone and you actually say this to them. Hey, uh, before you're, you're about to get married and then you're about to find out you're way more selfish than you thought. And they're like, what do you mean? We're so in love. We just, we just got the most amazing relationship and all we do is talk, talk, talk. And it's just, oh, no, no. We're, just we're just the most compatible. And, 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 and I tell you this, years ago, I remember, I remember my wife and I met with a couple and, and, and we're like, oh, how's your communication? They're like, oh, we're just two amazing communicators together with one another. And my wife and I just looked at each other like, oh, it's about to be trouble. 
because they were so confident in their own goodness and they weren't teachable that all of a sudden you realize, oh, you're about to go through a hard time. I didn't want to ruin your wedding plans, but it's about to be tough. And it was. Are you with me? See, a humble heart is this, is this teach me. A humble heart says, God, what do you think about that? One of the greatest kings in all the Bible pens the next greatest words in all the Bible. Psalm 51, verse 7, says this. Cleanse me with hyssop, he says, and I will be clean. Can I have the worship team to come back? It says, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones you have crushed rejoice. He's been going through a tough time. And then it says this. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me, watch this now, a pure heart. How many need to pray that sometimes? Maybe how many need to pray that a lot? David had a pure heart. This isn't a message to Christians. This is, this is a message to people who have a heart. Because your heart gets dirty. Haven't you noticed that? Listen, just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean I don't have to do this. I think sometimes we put people on a pedestal and go, oh, well, Anthony, you just get to pray and read all day. Actually, there's a lot of other things I do too. You've got to lead, you've got to make decisions, and, and, then, and, then, and then there's just times that just faith or life is disappointing. How many know that like, not everything is like snowflakes? Like, sometimes life is disappointing, and you've got to guard your heart from disappointment. And then there's, like, if there was temptation in the Garden of Eden, how much more is there temptation now in a very imperfect world? Like, there's temptation everywhere, and then sometimes there's just disappointment. Like, we've had people in our church literally get off drugs, get off alcohol, get off all kinds of stuff and really follow Jesus. And then my own father is an alcoholic and sits in a, in a chair, basically homeless in Sydney. Like, that's disappointing. We've had people that's marriages have been restored, and then we've had other people that got marriages got ruined because they didn't guard their heart, and that's disappointing. I've seen people, literally, we believe in the power of God in our church, and we've had people, we had, we, let me share this awesome, awesome God story. We had someone had fourth, uh, stage four cancer. They just started coming to our church. Their husband was not a Christian. He was like a, uh, a Scientologist, I think, and so forth. She starts coming to our church. She said, hey, I got cancer for the second time. It's stage four. It's bad. And we prayed for her right there. And then she was meant to have surgery Wednesday at, 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 a, at a certain hospital. For some reason, they moved, like almost for no reason, they moved her to a different hospital. And so because they moved to a different hospital, they had to recheck, did she have cancer? They rechecked, she has cancer. She had stage four cancer. And then all of a sudden, they're like, I mean, you don't really have stage four cancer. I don't know how, but you have this little thing and we might just take that out. She had minor surgery. Like the power of God just touched her life. Like it was, it was beautiful. We had a, another person at church like would walk 15 steps and and then and had to sit down, get so much pain in their back, and, and they were healed. Like just, and no one, she didn't even tell us, hey, I got a back problem. Someone prayed for her that day, and the power of God just hit her, and she was, she'd walk everywhere from there on. She was like, yes, yes. 
you know? Like some people are like, I need a car. She was like, I don't need a car. I'll walk. When you've been walking 15 steps, you're going to stop in your massive pain. Like, it's good, you know? How's your heart? How's your heart? Is it soft towards God? Or is it grown cold? Let me be a Samuel to your life today. Say, hey, how's your heart? Maybe some of you used to walk with God, used to be passionate about God. And to be honest, you used to be a boiling point. Now you're down kind of 50%, 40%. And you, the fire's not there anymore. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's just sin and you just kind of got lured into it. You know the book of Hebrews says time and time again, it says this, it says, be wary that there's a sinful heart in you that would turn you away from the living God. You're literally like every man in here, every woman in here has their own temptation, their own struggles. Every one of us. And Solomon says to us, guard your heart. Jesus would say, I want to cleanse your heart. Every one of us. Come on, all across this place, let's bow our head. You're here today. Maybe a friend brought you. Maybe you grew up in church and it's been a long time since you've been under the preaching of the Word of God and the presence of God. You feel your own heart just almost warming like, my goodness, how come He seems to be talking right to me? I want to pray with you today. If you are here today and you've never had heart surgery, you've never asked Jesus to cleanse your heart. No man can cleanse your heart. No woman can. You can't clean it. Only His blood can clean your heart. If you're here today and you've never said, Jesus, I need heart surgery, God. I seem to do everything my own way and and sometimes I I cry out to you when I'm in a desperate situation but most of the time I just live life my own way. God says, today I want you to come home, son. I want you to come home, daughter. I want to cleanse your heart so that you can live for me. All across this place. All across this place. We're going to pray this simple prayer and let this prayer connect you to the person of Jesus to the grace of Jesus, to His unfailing love. His unfailing love is for you. So all across this place, let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you to cleanse my heart. I surrender it. Thank you for revealing what must be healed. Come into my life. I give you my heart. All of it. I surrender tired of doing life my own way help me follow you help me know you from this day on heads about and eyes are closed all across this place if that was you today you meant business with God I'm going to ask you to quickly slip up your hand right now one two three all across this place slip it up slip it up high just so I can say thank you sweetheart thank you honey thank you thank you thank you thank you sir thank you thank you awesome stuff awesome stuff thank you men and women this place. So good, so good. You can put your hand down. Father, I pray for every hand, I pray for every heart. God, you know them individually, you love them passionately, reveal yourself to them, I pray. There's others of you that are here today, and you just, I, I just feel like 
you were passionate about God for some reason, maybe disappointment, maybe the lure of, of certain lifestyle, maybe just apathy got on you and your heart has kind of gone cold to God all across this place. I just want you to recognize it. Just say, Jesus, I need you to light the fire again in my heart and in my life. I'm asking you to breathe on the, the areas that are, that are unhealthy and, and unclean, God. So all across this place, if that's you today, would you quickly slip up your hand? And I just want to pray with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I pray for every hand and every heart all across this place. Just pray this prayer. Those of you that raise your hand and know you need to do that right now, just pray, Lord, I receive your spirit. I receive your grace. I receive the goodness of God into my heart. In Jesus' name. There's others of you right here, right now. Just need to pray this simple prayer. Come on, let's pray every single person. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, help me. Teach me to guard my heart. For everything I do flows from it. Help me guard it. Help me be wise with it. God's word today. Would you give him a huge hand? Come on, all across this place. Hey, once again, thank you guys for checking us out at Church Alive. We are so blessed to be a part of your week, a part of your lives. If you want to hear more of these messages and want to just hear more about what's going on in the life of our church, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram, and on YouTube so you can see more messages, hear more messages just like this, and just really hear what's going on in the life of our church. We'll see you this weekend. Have a great week.